This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today on Vulnerable, I have the pleasure of speaking with longtime friends, Allison Stoner and Blair Amani. I hope you'll enjoy this episode. Heart Blair aches. came out on Fox News. Yeah, on, on accident. On, on accident. No, but it was funny because, um, you know, I used to be in a PR agency and like, you know, do a lot of like consulting and stuff. And I studied communications in college. So a lot of my friends were like, she planned that. And I was like, you think that I am so much more put together than I am. Um, <laughs> but it was like my last week working at Planned Parenthood. And I had spent the whole month before like helping people to have compassion around reproductive health and not have judgment and yeah. to great success. Like I'd, I've had people who come from all walks of life, have their own preconceived notions, but would all agree that, that healthcare is something everybody needs. So I was like, mm. I'm invincible. And so when I got the invitation to go on Fox News, I was like, sure, let's do it. Let's talk about safe spaces. Not really fully understanding that it was going to be like a full setup, but I didn't have a job after that week at Planned Parenthood. So I was like, cool, I'm ready. Um, and then I corrected him. He was, I was like, well, LGBTQ plus people need safe spaces. Black people need safe spaces. And he's like, you're just here to speak on Muslims. And I was like, well, actually I'm a black queer Muslim woman. And then I was like, you're like, I'm oh, all the spaces. Yeah, I'm like, duh. <laughs> and then in that moment, cause sometimes when you're like on oh, TV or like, you know, you're on, you're in studio and you just get tunnel vision and you're just like, yeah. well, just having a conversation and right. like the, the sound and the set leaves. Um, but then it's okay, Glad had my back. Uh, Sarah K. Ellis DM'd me and she was like, girl. And I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> the next day there was like a super conservative pa like a paper oh. that came out with this gay Muslim wants your taxpayer dollars for safe spaces. No. And I was like, yes, but actually I'm bisexual. <laughs> so it was intense, but- um, Not wow. safe spaces being funded. I know, I know. Um, oh. But definitely oh, a, a fun thing. Cause that was at one point, the only thing people knew me for. And now I bring it up and people are like, what? So it's kind of nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I've been able to get to know you for a while now. Um, and both of you people have been in my life in a really important, impactful way. And so anytime I get to take your company, even individually, is it, even if it's just parasocial, like to me mm. is very personal to me. I take, I think I take my parasocial relationships more serious than my actual relationship. Let's talk about it. Okay, can we really talk about parasocial? Because <laughs> I've had a parasocial friendship with both of you since I was a child. <laughs> and I think when I was last on Vulnerable, I was, you were like, oh, I would have been your friend because I didn't have friends growing up. Like I felt so ostracized mm -hmm. and I just realized, oh my God, I was bullied. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like somebody beating me up after school or taking my lunch money. It was me being so excluded. So the way that I like would fight back, like, no, I didn't go anywhere this weekend because nobody invited me anywhere and nobody would come over to my house. But I hung out with my friend, Christy Carlson Romano Aww. and my other friend, Allison Stoner. Oh and <laughs> look at it now. I just manifested Hell it. Yes, you did. <laughs> it took a little while, but we're here. Oh my gosh. But so cool. Like I look back at like my younger self. I'm actually doing a shoot where um, it's going to be like a young, my younger self and I'm like doing it for like, you know, my current self and like the mm. same outfit and like the same backdrop mm. and whatever. And I just think about like, if I went back and I told my younger self what I'm currently doing, she would be like, who are you? And you're lying. And why wow. do you look so much like me? Like, cause it was just so unfathomable. Wow. Why do you look so much like me? Is, oh, because, oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's time. you. It's yeah, yeah, like yeah. world building. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> 
I'm a little slow, guys. I'm a little slow. <laughs> it's early. It's early. It is early. Um, okay. So yeah, unpacking it then. Parasocial relationships, which part do you want to get into? I think what's funny is some folks think they're immune to it. And it's nearly impossible at this point when you're scrolling through social media to not have some kind of connection to what you're viewing that feels more intimate. Because again, if well, you're, you're consenting to using the platform the minute you launch it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, in the back of your mind subconsciously, I'm going to be affected by something. I'm going to connect with something on this app. Well, and people, people are sharing their personal lives. Mm -hmm. So you're inside someone's room. I mean, we talk when we talk about like footage of children, I think that's where we get into these deeper conversations. The term is sharenting. Are you familiar with sharenting? Nah. Yeah, so but I, just, I know what it is. I, just hearing it, I okay, get Okay, I'm going to take us on a little journey. Let's go. I just read <laughs> in the New York Times, which I'm not a subscriber. It just came up on Google. I don't want anyone to look too deeply into anything I'm saying. Hashtag other not than, sponsored. Yeah, hashtag not sponsored whatsoever. <laughs> I can't even open their emails because yeah, for some reason they constantly said, yes, oh. I was and now I'm not. Yeah. But they, I still get the emails. Stop sending me shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's an app for that. It's called unroll.me. And think. they are also, also not, not sponsored. sponsored. Also not sponsored. <laughs> I'm just not trying to help. Um, but there was there were two facts that they shared. Well, I say facts. God, I'm going to question just everything. Going. I'm it's, okay. it's okay. <laughs> caveat, caveat, caveat. Um, and one of them is that uh, by the age of five, the average child has 1,500 photos of them on the internet. Wow. And by the year 2030, they predict that up to two-thirds of identity fraud will relate to the content you shared about your own child mm. when they were growing up. So then you think about like sharenting mm, these yeah. cute little moments where mm. your kid is adorably waking up in their own bedroom, but that's their intimate space. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. did they explicitly give consent? They can't even technically, you know, legally give informed, fully informed consent. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I've been talking to some state reps actually about some language around not just protecting kid influencers money, but giving them giving them the right when they at least turn 18 to be able to say, hey, all of those things that you posted, like, please take those down. Well, let's get into it. OK, so basically, like, you w w first of all, I want to give some context to everybody. So Blair Amani, <laughs> yeah, activist, right. um, feminist. Queer Muslim woman who wants your tax dollars, obviously, for safe spaces. Period. <laughs> uh, Allison Stoner, also activist, advocate, former child actor, baddie, um, friend, both baddies, title. both friends. And um, I'm just so psyched that this is a little sleepover we're having right now. Cute. I want to throw pillows and I lit a candle. and That's perfect. great. <laughs> Basically, I asked them to come here because Vulnerable has a tendency to um, you know, uh, run the gamut of our amazing guests. Everybody is amazing. Every single person that has consented to come into these, you know, some of them have been on the <laughs> spectrum of problematic, hmm. like, like straight up. I've had like Trapetus on. I don't um, know who that is. Lucky you. Yeah. yeah. So I basically, <laughs> oh, no. I've, I've, I've taken the platform and tried to understand what it was worth. Mm. But when I, what I keep coming back to you guys is what I care about. Yeah. So like I was on Z-Way um, and one of the things that Z-Way and I were talking about were like this advocacy that I've been, it's been a through line for like why I started making content 
in, in vulnerable. Anyway, sorry, not a, not to make this about me. She was like, you need to keep doing that. Girl, it's your show. It's okay if it's a little bit about you. <laughs> <laughs> Just for context, why we're here all together. Um, she was like, you need to keep doing that ad- advocacy thing. And like z is this hilarious. I was actually on a podcast with her before. So z <sighs> is this hilarious, like African Highly woman. intelligent. She's so funny. Yep, book, she, she's got a book out. Oh, she has a book out now? It's called like Black Best Friend. It's like a collection of essays. She's hilarious. Mm. Um, we were on a podcast together uh, called Hysteria, and I like started following her comedy career. And we both popped off in mm. different ways. She had a show on Showtime, I think, called Z-Way. And she would mm. just like grill. So if you had a good experience out of it, she grills the shit out of white actors. She oh, am I allowed oh. to cuss? Yes. Okay, great. So yeah, it's vulnerable. But no, um, <laughs> she grills white actors and basically is like, so why did this happen? Why did that happen? And I feel like, you know, it's just so funny. And she's completely like just glowed up and has everything that she deserves. And I think that if she's telling you that you need to continue your advocacy, yeah, take that, that so serious because she's somebody who gives unfiltered um, criticism yeah. and unfiltered advice and affirmation. It was like the last mm-hmm. thing she said to me too. And I was like, and, we, and we've since like connected and I, I like to consider us now <laughs> very socially connected. Nice. <laughs> we follow like, each other on social media. Yeah, so we actually <laughs> texted. She's coming to Austin and she's asked me to come up on stage and I'm like, oh my God. Oh, wow. So I do, and, and as a side note too, like- Y'all um, are close. I mean, I'm like really excited because I have this thing where I'm all, I've always been a try hard. People say I have that. We all, I'm sure we can all relate the, the theater person energy. Oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> Less white woman energy. I'm dying. Wait, I have 40% of that because I'm mixed. There we go. But I think it's like it pans gender and race. And it's like that try hard thing about I us. want people to like me deeply. Deeply. People do like me, yeah. but I refuse to believe it. Yeah. It's that all that thing together. And I think it's so bananas to hear because I think I've heard that from you in aspects oh, and yeah. hearing it from you. I'm just like, totally. Girl, you're Kim Possible. Like what? <laughs> you know? Do you not know? But here's the thing: I also found that I could weaponize that over the years. I don't know yeah, about you, yeah, yeah. But my humility mm. was something that I cashed in on for the longest time. Interesting. Yeah. Say more. What do you mean? Yeah. So basically, people would be like, um, you know, I was so much more unassuming, and I could hide my insecurities and the f- yeah, like anything that could have been actually something I was thinking in a negative. Ah, or, so or like competitive feigning or, innocence, well, feigning it. morality, it's kind of moral like, goodness. Yeah, people probably. perceive you in certain ways, and you can either be. Well, this is my mo- my mom said you could either be a victim of that, or you could use it to your advantage. You could weaponize it. Mm. And so, like for me, when I started wearing hijab, and so I'm doing like a little beret hijab moment today for our listeners and non-viewers. Oh, thank you so much. Um, when I started wearing hijab, people were like, "Wow, what a brave Muslim woman who's speaking up against the odds." But when I would have my afro out, I'm a loud black woman, and so it's like I'm perceived in these different ways. So let me use that to my advantage Mm. because I think that's a big thing about like having been a child actor and then when I'm was on TV or on stage the the performance of having to be like the only black girl in my school like Mm -hmm. I just felt hyper surveilled and so if everybody's looking at me in these ways let me start dictating let me start directing my own scenes you know Mm. both in person can I ask you a question so Mm -hmm. being hyper surveilled is something that is also relating to we'll get back to that legislation stuff Mm -hmm. but that's almost is that what what's the difference between feeling famous and being surveilled. To me, the difference, and this is why every birthday, I would wish to be famous. Every single birthday. Like, blow out the candles, I wanna be famous. In 2020, when I went viral, I was like, oh my gosh, it's finally happening. Because the difference to me was, and then I impacted in therapy, because a little bit of an unhealthy desire, I guess. But Mm. I wanted when people stared at me, that they're staring at Blair and they know who Blair is. Not that they're looking at me because I look different or because I'm the odd one out. And it's a very similar feeling 
sometimes when people like see me in the streets, like I was just in Toronto and I was wet by the university and a lot of people were staring at me and I was like, is it my outfit? Is it because mm. I look weird? And they come up, I love smarter in seconds. I'm like, okay, they know who I am. Mm. And that's a much more affirming feeling, sure. but it all feels very similar. But mm-hmm. that's what I wanted growing up was yeah. people to know me mm-hmm. and not just look at me in my face. But I think it probably feels very similar. Actually, not to geek out on some research. Let's go. Please do. I love you when you geek out with research. But. Because I didn't have to do it. (laughs) Same. (laughs) This feels like a sibling dynamic for sure. Um, But it just to kind of affirm that the desire to be perceived or recognized or experience fame is is pretty common, you know, across the board. Especially in L.A. Yeah. I mean, but also just in they, they did this study where they looked at. Um, specific personal needs. And if you have a higher need for belonging, a higher need for relatedness, or a higher need for, um, I forget what the third one was, um, you'll be attracted to specific kinds of fame. Mm. So some, you know, people who exhibited traits of narcissism were attracted to, unsurprisingly, the kind of fame that brings status and, you know, visibility. For folks who were interested in relatedness or ne- had a deeper need for relatedness, community, they were. Community, you mean? Um, or maybe some just like kind people of to social relate to connection, you? belonging. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to put words in the researchers' mouths, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. the outcome was desiring a pro-social kind of fame, right? <laughs> I have a deep desire to help everybody get smarter one yes. post at a time. <laughs> you know, and I, I have to send you that research because it was really interesting. A lot of my friends who deeply desire to contribute to the world also in in a forward visible way also tend to have quite a deep drive for needing to belong that seems like disproportionately higher than you know the average person's experience of needing to belong. yeah drag me like it is so intense with me i was just at brunch with my friend leo and leo callian he's an amazing singer and just like i remember as he started to get more famous whenever I would go back to London to visit him, I was always like, this is going to be the time that he's too famous to hang out with me. Mm. And I told him that he was like, what do you think of me? And I was like, honestly, it had nothing to do with you and everything to do with my own little like mind palace and my own like toxicity because that I think mirrors my experience when I was growing up. And so now I'm healing that inner child Mm -hmm. and I'm giving myself grace for feeling that way, but also trying to like really give myself the tough love of that's not true. People like you and you have something to offer to the world, which I'm so comfortable telling everybody else, but internalizing it is very hard. Yeah. I have imposter syndrome because of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, it's like you're, you're contending with like who you are in real time, Mm -hmm. wanting to guide the conversation. I was talking to you guys before we went live about like, how like if I'm over here, it's like I'm a totally like this is me and I can think clearly. And then when I come here, it's like, fuck. <laughs> what do I say? What am I about? Who the yeah. fuck am well, I? Here's some research about imposter syndrome okay. so I can nerd out this yes, time. Please. So imposter syndrome was first called the imposter phenomenon and it was discussed in the 1970s. Um, and it was to look at high achieving like, you know, largely white women Mm -hmm. um, who get into CEO positions and still feel inadequate. And what I regret, like what what I wish they had done is to acknowledge that if you're a CEO, regardless of your race in the 1970s, you have been told your entire life that women belong in the kitchen, that you should be barefoot and pregnant. And 
like that you're inadequate. So of course you're gonna get to a high position and feel like you don't belong there. Mm -hmm. And you talk about this on your other podcast, Big Name Bitches, where you're like, oh, I wasn't good enough for this role. I wasn't good enough for that role. Yeah. You're internalizing that to some effect. I remember experiencing that when I was on set. Oh, mm -hmm. I don't look black enough. I don't look white enough. I could be going for Hispanic roles, but that felt weird because I'm not. Right. And right, right. I'm going, so all of that is in my brain. And so now when I don't feel good about myself, I have imposter syndrome instead of it being mm. like, actually this is the result of me listening to what the world was sure. saying about me. Yeah, where are we directing the energy when we label something we're putting it as a, an individual problem yeah. right as, versus so you can like still say you have imposter syndrome but it's to know that it's not your fault mm. fair you talk about de-rolling and you, that kind of reminds me of that because hmm. i know that there's like a it's a different process of like when you're in a in a role i'm not familiar with that okay well, can you why see are you looking the, at me? Could, could, can you see the tie-in to that? Because it's I'm like- I'm going to try to read your brain as the siblings that Christine. we're becoming. Yeah. <laughs> and are you suggesting that in the same way we internalize our character's mentality and need to create some distance from that when we go back into our regular life is similar to like not internalizing that. the beliefs that society has given us? Is that yeah. where Christie's brain is If from? there's this, yes. Great, I could good. totally see Very that. Very good. <laughs> it's plus me, plus. <laughs> I could see that because, you know, we're told that we are this role our whole lives. And then when we, then we have to figure out who actually who we are. Yeah. What's the script I want to play? What's the, that's like, right. I think that's so connected. Well, look, right, right. I think that branding is really fascinating and I've only stumbled into it because out of necessity and partly why I really was really interested in having Blair here outside of it being a sleepover um, was <laughs> because she's just so good. And she really changed my entire opinion about systems of oppression. Hmm. She clued me into that whole terminology, that whole concept of how we, we live in a, a, you know, a society in a marketplace. And, and like, I've felt that for so long, right. As a commodified uh, child laborer. And then like in growing up in that and then having I call it a narcissistic purgatory where it's like you have to constantly talk about yourself mm. in order to exist, in order to make money. So like those 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 like um, comments where people are like cringe. Is this your primary personality trait? Like, like, you know, get over it. Shit Oof. like that is extremely triggering when you're a person that's like, uh, okay, like I you're can't like, not sorry, talk about- Sorry, who actually am I? Like I'm trying to figure that out actively yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. yelling at me for- in my vulnerability and me trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's, yeah. It is for, for, I don't know if you've talked about that yet, but it is, mm -hmm. it is for me particularly triggering when it's like, I am trying to speak my truth and also take it back for myself. Mm. But there's a only, there's always a, so much of that I have to like wrestle with talking about versus growing from. Mm. And, well, and it is, it's like your content where you talk about the thing that people want you to talk about the most is going to do better than the sure. stuff that you're like trying to soft launch over right, time. Right. It's difficult. Yeah. When you're trying to monetize that, when you're trying to make money and trying to like, like, it's very difficult to Also empower. just circling back to the parasocial nature of posting anything, you'll only ever be getting a, a glimpse of a fraction of a person's personality and it's their persona that's public. So it's not even necessarily their authentic personality. So really when people are drawing conclusions about anyone they're seeing online, whether they're a public figure or not, it's like we can't assume that parasocial content consumption is the same as deep lasting intimate connection with someone. And so I think it creates an interesting challenge when you as the artist do want to be vulnerable and honest and say like, no, this really is me. This is the one I want you to actually 
I really do want to feel seen and understood, mm -hmm. but there are just naturally going to be barriers and limitations there. And naturally, what do you mean by that? Well, well, I think it goes back to the through systems. a screen, and you don't have a full conversation, two-way conversation with them to check mm -hmm. in and mm -hmm. clarify. So mm -hmm. whatever you're saying is still going through their filter of whatever their belief system was coming into it. You know, mm -hmm. so you can't. It's not the same as being in true relationship. But I think it really connects to the systems of oppression aspect because those barriers that prevent people from seeing who that person is, is oppression. Mm. It's their sexism. It's their, you know, it could be racism. It could be ageism. It could be all of these different things, classism, preconceived notions, media bias. I mean, I remember in your your early um, episodes, you talked about the discomfort and like I could really see that you were just like grappling with this expressing your experience of you're getting free food and you're being treated these ways and somebody in the comments and I got so freaking fierce with yeah, this person. Yeah, we get so protective. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they were like, oh, like when you got free food and I'm like, you're completely missing it and it's the whole lack of empathy because yeah. we have commodified, as you were saying, young people so much in this industry and we're seeing it online to the <clears> point <throat> where if people are actually expressing, actually I'm miserable, actually this is so hard for me, I was suffering. You, they want to gratitude you to death. Oh, shouldn't you be grateful you had these opportunities? Shouldn't you be grateful that you had this? Yeah, and they've only seen a slice of the the pie. Wouldn't so. it be awesome? Because like I remember, okay, so for example, recently I had um, taken some sort of a reel and I shot it from an angle that showcased my teeth. I've mentioned this before. Um, but basically people started doing gifts of donkeys from Shrek and like, oh, oh you can slice a credit card through her teeth. And what? like, I'm like, okay, Christy, I'll wear my damn Invisalign. Christy, can I tell you that when I was in middle school and people would call me horse teeth, I would be looking at you on TV and be like, at least somebody else has big teeth like me. Wait, can I, I tell you that, that actively like right now? Like that is, it's wild that it came up, but like, it's real. Cause like, you know, I got my dad's teeth. I got some big it's teeth. A, you have a beautiful smile. So though. do you. That's what my mom always told me. Lovely smiles. So, like winning so smiles. I had to go into the comment section and I had wow. to curate those, the, the trigger words, I guess, or like the, the words I didn't want to be allowed in that com that particular Ugh. comment section. And I said, donkey, uh, <clears throat> teeth, uh, gap, um, ugly, whatever the fuck. And so, and, and it was, it was fine because like, I'm, I've, I'm almost fucking 40 years old. Like I have two children. I've done amazing things with my body. Like my teeth are, can be fixed. You being an asshole, like on Can't the internet. Really? Yeah. I hear that. But the, it, it begs to, it be, it's interesting. Like what if there was a way to opt into being a, a particular type of user of content? Like mm. you could click, like I will be, like I will consent to being a, um, <clears throat> empathetic or yeah I'm not here to project <clears throat> but if that would but I think that requires so much awareness because what I have yeah. found being like a queer Muslim on the internet in particular is that people are reaching out to me like right now I'm sure like if I posted a selfie with like you know my curls out in the front and mm. my like beret yeah you're doing hijab wrong and I'm not trying to harass you or anything sister I just want to let you know that yeah. you're going to hell heart shape and it's like <laughs> what <laughs> so it'd be nice but I think I think honestly most people don't realize that they're hurting each other mm -hmm. That's what and I that have to goes believe. For and that goes for everybody, it sounds like, what you're saying. It's I have to there's believe a, that. There's mm -hmm. a certain type of friction amongst mm -hmm. everybody in every community that's like they're lacking communication skills. Mm. I think that, or they just take for granted how much they're hurting you. Like, I think, so as somebody who educates on the internet as well, people think I know everything. So if I'm made aware that a sponsor I've collaborated with, like, wasn't the best in one lane, I've... Not only do I know about it, but I have contributed to it and I am now more accountable than the CEO or the person who greenlit that, greenlit that decision yeah. because I'm presented as an authority figure. And yeah. so I think it's not just lack of communication, but I remember I had a conversation with this one person where they were upset that I didn't speak up on a crisis. And mm -hmm. I was like, 
So here's what's going on, why I haven't, because I'm also really hurt by this situation. And you're probably also really hurt and you're probably maybe disappointed that I haven't spoken up, so you're lashing out. But my parents are both social workers, so I have that language in that context to be able to like guide people. Oh, through. I see. Right, I was gonna right. say, how are you? How do you manage this? Yeah, um, this much crisis. I go to Costa long. Rica once a week every year you to unplug. Once, once a year. <laughs> I was huh? like, you go you once, once a week. A week. Sorry, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> once a year. Yeah. For a week. There we yeah. go. That yeah. was me. That was a Freudian slip. <laughs> just to clarify for everyone here that's amazing so let's talk about this legislation yes how we're gonna fix this stuff i was listening to allison's pod okay it's called dear hollywood it's all over the charts i've been supporting it um at least as much as i could we wanted to use this space it didn't end up being an option and mm. when allison created it i was like well this worked out perfect when i started <laughs> listening to the first like couple episodes the concept of bodily autonomy became mm. very crystal clear for me. Mm. And it really started because I asked Allison their pronouns mm. um, last week. And then we, uh, w when I listened to the podcast, I was like, oh, it's all making sense. Allison's journey is making sense. Mm. And, and so I, as your sibling, <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, I can do this. I can do this. I'm here. <laughs> With open arms. No, I think it, I think it's something that everyone needs to relate here's, to. It's yeah. like misgendering and like just understanding the and process grow. of learning trying a new to learn language. how to do it. Yeah, yeah. So legislation. Yeah. The, Dear Hollywood has presented a, an opportunity for you to truly kind of map out a blueprint for change and advocacy for child laborers and high performing children um, across multiple types of platforms, mm -hmm. one of which is traditional Hollywood model. And now we're starting to talk because a lot of people have been reaching out to probably all of us when it comes to new media and sharenting, which mind you, I have posted my kids. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm learning now to, to say no to those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Not because I don't think I can make really great content with my kids in, in a safe environment, but more because I understand that there's implications that are going into it, mm -hmm. but it's very hard to walk away from. I'm going to be like very honest with it. Yeah, totally. Because um, and, it and, probably seems mostly innocent, right? It probably well, seems when you're like in control no of deal. the environment and you're like, I, yeah. we're going to do this. It's going to be like a couple minutes. And then like, I'm sure your kids want to be in it because they don't want to feel left out. Well, too. now, yeah. honestly, guys, my daughter is like asking me more and more and more to be doing YouTube videos and she wants to like do things. And it's it's not really triggering because I feel like I have a community where I can unpack that with. But at the same time, I'm like, even my husband's like, yeah, no, like she can't watch family channel stuff. She can't watch any of that stuff. Like she has to just take it out of her mind. But it's just like naturally, I think she's starting to like gravitate toward the arts. Well, yeah. yeah and the exposure to seeing, you know, children unbox toys yes. or seeing peers at school who have devices like yeah. there's a book called uh, Growing Up in Public. By oh, yes. Deborah. I just had sent that book. OK, yes. Yeah. Did I read, read it? it. Yes. Growing Up in Public. Yeah. Shout out to that book. OK. Yeah. Who's so Devorah Heitner, who also has another book called Screenwise, which was sort of like, I guess, the first installment in talking about, you know, raising uh, the generation of digital natives who are only, you know, partially developed as humans, but are fully immersed in this like tech integrated world. And Gen Z. Yeah, uh, I mean, and now they're <laughs> Gen A, they started the alphabet over again. <laughs> yeah, we're, we've got some more new Alpha? ones, little littles, okay. the extra minis. Um, and she talks about, I think there's something called the nine principles of like safe, legal and ethical use of technology, Ooh. which none of us got the manual on, by the way. Right. Oh, no. Like, but I'll be doing a smarter in seconds on it as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> the cool person's book. name is Mark Ribble or something similar. 
Um, and and I believe they're introducing it into schools as well to try and help kids understand safer use of technology. Okay, and that's great. It's all all you know a great step. But I appreciated Devora's approach. Again, not sponsored, but Devora says you know there's an art to mentoring your child through the process mm. as opposed to monitoring because if we just jump to sort of the fear based mentality of uh oh this could go wrong in all of these ways we might, you know, limit their use and thereby just inspire them to get craftier on how they'll do it, you know, privately or they'll rebel against you or blah, blah, blah. Instead of how can we have a proactive conversation about building character through this process mm. and present to your child some of these considerations they may not have thought of or ask them, you know, what draws you to the idea of making videos? Is it that you want to be seen by the public or is it just the process because mm. it seems fun to express yourself? Because you can I'm going to have that conversation with her. Yeah, like you can post and film leave it, it on private, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. yeah. I, I've started to do that now, but like to really put a, a fine point on what you're talking about, y'all remember chat rooms? Y'all remember? Yo, I was in, I, I was, was talking to all kinds of, a, I don't know aim, who. AIM chat rooms? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. So at first, I think my, my mom was just. Away message. <laughs> I would, I had what was your little, emo like, away message? It changed all the time because <laughs> as a little Levine one, lyric. Had, at least. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If not like Lincoln Park, just super <laughs> like, oh, wow, I'm so numb. Yeah. No one understands me, which I still feel today. But anyway, um, but I remember my mom was so like kind of technology averse that mm. I remember the first time she like caught me on a chat room mm. and so much love and space to her. I feel like it's OK to like talk about our traumas that maybe our parents inspired without condemning them. You know, like that you taught me that actually. Um, <laughs> I hope it's a good lesson. <laughs> no, it is, it lesson. is. But I think that um, the first time she saw me on a chat room, she just the way that she reacted was so much her own anxiety, her own fear mm -hmm. that it just made me like like some of these people who are actively like grown men who are like yeah. very much grooming would be like, oh, here's a password that you tell me before you get on the conversation. Right. And so now when I talk to my mom, because we have younger cousins and uh, folks who are, oh, this person just got caught doing this. Okay, well, if you react with fear and with your anger, yeah. then they're never gonna feel safe to come to talk to you when things do go awry and they do feel unsafe. So mm -hmm. I think that leading with compassion is so important. But what I've realized is that I have anxiety because my mom has anxiety and like it's both genetic and also environmental. Transfer, yeah. yeah, and so now I'm like, oh, well, she wasn't actually mad. She was just really scared for me. And so that gave me like a lot of grace too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna have that conversation with her next time she talks about it. I'm gonna unpack it and be like, hey, so like what, what is it about that you wanna do it? Is it just like, we can shoot it? Yeah, you know. Right, I and mean, also- I guess that's a form of play nowadays. Yeah, with yeah totally. That's wild to me. And you could pick a topic <laughs> and turn it into something educational. You know, like, yeah. oh, do you want to talk about a specific thing? Like, well, she loves learn. tornadoes. Like, let's talk about yes. all the facts you know about tornadoes. I started doing. Uh, like I would a lot watch. Of work. I would subscribe. If there's any any <laughs> teachers no, 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 listening, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> if there's any teachers listening, like I um. So I did a class uh, with a group in Toronto and it was like young kids and like we had to go through the process whenever sometimes um, teachers will get really excited about having me speak. And I'm like, please put me through the same processes that you would put any other yes. adult guest to the school to vet, to vet me. Mm -hmm. And please do that with every other person. And I yeah. get so on schools whenever they're like, oh, this like young person is going to guide you on the school with an adult. Yes. because it's just safety first right and I'm just like hyper aware of those things from my own experiences mm -hmm. but uh, I have this great little framework about creating smarter in seconds and it's so fun because I explain to the kids how to create smarter in seconds they pick their favorite topic they go through the process mm -hmm. of making a smarter in seconds and then they present to the class a 30 to 90 second little smarter in seconds and it doesn't uh, go on the internet yeah. but like they're like you know their internet person who's been vetted can mm -hmm. see it and that's like some of the validation that they want so mm -hmm. I feel like that's such a fun experience yeah. and if any teachers are listening I'll volunteer to do that because it's so fun. <gasps> 
fun. Yeah. Yay. That touched your heart. It Why did. did that touch your heart? Is it because Mike's super short show inspired? <laughs> it did. <laughs> it did. Inside? No, no. I didn't create that. I just got hired as a child laborer. <laughs> um, no, it, what it touched was we're helping meet kids where they are in their daily experience with media. And we're using the art of storytelling, which is deeply human. And you're allowing them to participate in something that is considered cool and exciting, but we're combining that with education. And and it just led me to think, oh, this is so helpful for them to uh, associate social media with potentially being informed and in, and informative, potentially, you know, using it as a pro-social um, method of communication. And so we're removing some of the automatic negative bias that I think many older generations when speaking to young people about social media, like we might jump to the conclusion that it's all negative. Whereas I remember that I was reading several studies and they were, were you really? Yeah, right. <laughs> I need a JSTOR subscription. <laughs> I'm like, I, JSTOR, yes. I don't do this or all Google the time. Scholar. Oh, yes. But First of all, I think it's I think it's hot. Oh, sick. I do. No, I think it's, it's hot. I, I think it's really it's like, cool. I'm deeply healed as a child because like my inner child is like, that's what I've been doing so hard right now. But like. <laughs> you mean like, while we've been hanging here yeah, on a no, sleepover? Like, well, I just mean like in this era that I'm currently in, mm. but I was always made fun of for being the like one that nerds yeah, out. Yeah. And so like, I think you're so cool. And the fact that you're also oh. nerding out is like, maybe I'm cool for doing that too. <laughs> healing. Healing is going in every direction. Um, damn, what were we talking about? We Studies were talking about reading. Yeah, but what, what was the topic before uh, that? Children and... Oh, 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 yes, 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 yes. Found it. Um, so we were talking about some studies around gaming and... As someone who has never played video games in my life, mm -hmm. I didn't have any contextual entry point. Um, but a lot of really positive, even like cognitive function, like there were some positive effects from using these. Uh, that's I'm giving myself away that I don't know games. what the terms are. Yeah, playing video games. Yeah, but. I was excited then to be able to be more aware when speaking to a young person about playing video games, like, oh, let's talk about, you know, at least this study was saying, this is sometimes like the only place they feel like, you know, in the course of a given day, especially at least in the US, a lot of kids are hyper-scheduled. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so their free play with video games is their time to actually just like- Decompress. Be in their, yeah, be mm -hmm. in their own space. Mm -hmm. Then there's also the self-expression of it. If you get to interact with people- You create your own avatar. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. there are some like really beautiful aspects. And what do, what do we think? We're going to like shame kids out of using technology and then- throw them into a, a world where tech is going to be a part of their life in every facet. Like, no, we have to learn how to cooperatively guide and nurture. Like and healthy mentor. Use. Yeah, mentor. I like mentor. I mean, mentor, Devorah said that. It, Allison's just regurgitating. Her research. <laughs> you know. They're, fuck. No, no, no. no. Devorah uses Devorah, she, you're yeah, good, you're yeah. good. Yeah. You're good, you're okay, good. Got it, but got you're it. thinking about it, and that's part of the power. <laughs> yeah, I'm always, yeah, I'm always thinking about it. Smarter <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm like nauseous. I'm like, oh, God. I'm I know it night. feels. I'm sweats. I know it but feels horrible right now. It will get better. I promise. Thank you. I do want to chime in quickly, though, on the technology aspect so my younger sister is um autistic and bipolar and she released so did i i struggled reading but we had these um games called living books and it was like arthur mm. and like all these different um like there was like putt putt there was so many different games that would teach reading 
And it was so cool because you didn't have to keep raising your hand and like stuttering through words and you could just, which is fine to do, but it just was like a safe space to learn. Mm -hmm. And I also think about a TED talk by Zach Barrick, who is um, a trans man. He's an actor and he talks about making his little profile on like Club Penguin when he was a kid and getting to make it a boy. Yeah. And like how important and powerful that is. And I think specifically for, I mean, I'm sure people have many identities. I just happen to know the studies around like for queer folks and oh, yeah. queer youth. Like me on The Sims, like Discord. I can have a girlfriend mm. and I'm not going to burst into flames. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Sims. legislation then. Sorry. Yes. No, we're, I, you guys, I love hearing all the things. And I'm so, this is a sleepover. It is. <laughs> this is legitimately the closest thing I'm going to get to a sleepover. Also, I think we're developing a shorthand here of our areas that we're healing and the jokes. I, I don't know if people are catching on, but there's like meta jokes happening where <laughs> You're saying something about being a people pleaser while I don't know. I'm I'm enjoying. I'm it. It's a vibe. The I'm meta narrative. Here. I'm. I, this is this is going great, guys. We're doing great. <laughs> We're, exactly. That's what I mean. <laughs> we should just all pat each other on the back no, like so the three Spider-Man memes. I'm like like it's okay. We're making it, huh? <laughs> oh, I love us. Um, I love us. Um, okay. But so legislation. What's happening? Uh, You've been doing things. At well. And I want Blair involved. Oh, no, yeah, I'm already yeah, involved. You are. Oh, you are? You're involved, too? Yes. Exactly. What's going on? You said yes in unison. That was precious. It's cute. <laughs> it's cute. Uh, we, our bit is ready. Um, but so there was a person, I believe, please forgive any mispronunciation. I think her name is Shreya. The last name starts with N. Um, but she is a young person in Illinois who... Um, her teacher assigned them something. It's probably better just to say Shreya and then for privacy reasons. Oh, okay. Since it's a young person. Well, well, she, her name is everywhere now. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But um, yeah, so Shreya's teacher uh, assigned them some project. She ended up focusing on kid influencers. And then the research was so strong. The teacher recommended that she take it to a state representative and mm-hmm. the state representative proposed from there, I believe, legislation around protecting kid influencers financially, and it just got passed. So Illinois is the first state, and I believe this is the first law, you know, fact check me, definitely, um, that is helping kid influencers who are making money actually at least see a portion of their earnings. Is it kind of like the Coogan account? But it's like a baby. It's an internet Coogan account kind of. Yeah, but 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 the the caveat here is like, of course, I don't think they went and spoke to a bunch of people in the industry to know the best way to write that legislation. So they're trying like their heart is in the right place. Baby step. It's like if you pull the thread. You know, and it, and 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 um, I, you know what? I it always just seems so funny to me that like we as people who've had this kind of very unique, I guess, privileged viewpoint, or <laughs> if you want to call it that, but a unique experience of 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 having a pathway into being a child actor and then like sort of healing from that. Whatever. I don't. I don't want to like. I don't like identifying as solely that experience anymore because it's. Mm-hmm become so much more. I'd much rather like what Zia was saying, like go towards the advocacy thing. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I was very isolated for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And so it's so cool to sit back and see like, dear Hollywood, like on the charts. Yeah, really and it has am. nothing to do with me, by the way. But it's just like, it's great. This is a moment in time that's we're pulling the thread and, together. Yeah, from the podcast. So some other state representatives, I don't think I can say more than mm-hmm. 
the fact that they reached out and they're sort of taking the blueprint from Illinois and then figuring out so what they So they had can heard do. about the Illinois legislation passing? They knew about the Illinois legislation and then they came across the podcast in some way, I'm sure in doing research around what, you know, who's actively speaking on it. So it's cool to see that this can work in tandem and help amplify awareness. It's the storytelling. It's like, yeah. so... Um, yeah, my teach. background used to be in civic. I was a civic action lead for do something.org and I helped them build their like civic action platform. And I'm working with them again soon, which is really exciting. But essentially we have a very awesome project when it comes to the United States government, um, which has its criticisms, I think. Um, and I think we most, most of us agree, but to really think about the fact that like ev average everyday citizens can identify a problem, speak to the person that represents them and say, Hey, I want to see this change is so powerful. But as we know from the civil rights movement and from the gay liberation movement, the best formula you can have when it comes to changing legislation is social issue, uh, you know, research that addresses social issue and then public pressure. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's so many different people who have been speaking up. Um, you know, McCurdy's book was very powerful for a lot of folks. Powerful. Yeah, both of your Although podcasts she's are so not, powerful. She's busy. She's not really available to like show up. Except I just hung out with her two days ago. Oh, yeah. Yes. Does she like me? Yeah. <laughs> This is so my reaction to everything. But I think like, I'll get back to that for a second. What I didn't know though, I had no idea how disconnected y'all were from each other. Like, cause yes, to me, yeah. I'm seeing you on the same channel. So I assume like, you're all buddies. Yeah. But I also remember when I was acting and when I was going on auditions, it was like, don't shake hands with this person. Don't make eye contact. What? So it's like keeping you isolated oh, you like on purpose. Competition. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Cause right. it's competitive and it's auditions and you don't want to like be nice or friendly to the other person. Cause Blah. they might take that for weakness. <laughs> yeah. But that's the same thing that they do in corporate America when they're right. trying to prevent organizations from unionizing. Yeah. They prevent the employees from talking to each other, from befriending each and other, unifying. from unifying, from collectivizing. Child laborers. It's child the worst. It's, it's just straight up <laughs> child exploitation. God. But I think that's what I've been able to see now. I see y'all in each other's comments and like other folks like Cleo Thomas and I love people, Cleo. People uh, connecting like so John Nikki and like I love I all love all these people. These people are all so iconic. People. And like, you know, I get to be friends with all my crushes from when I was a kid. Aww. And it's just cool to see y'all connecting now. And I think this is the biggest threat to all these oppressive structures in the industry mm -hmm. that people are collectively organizing because yeah. that's what's what's been prevented as a formula for child actors right. in the industry. But see, here's the thing. When people talk about like coming up against the monster, the beast, like <laughs> the big Hollywood D. is the most horrible, you know, godforsaken machine on the planet. Something my uncle Caesar would say, yeah. You know, I, I'm like, wait a second. We don't actually have to try and burn this entire thing down. There are very reasonable ways that if you just want to look at you know, the advances we've made in trauma research and child development theory, XYZ, like all we're doing is updating the protocols mm -hmm. to match what we now know would be a safer or, you know, a less safe environment. Like, it's not like I'm trying to go in there and say, you, you know, you single-handedly company are the worst thing on the planet and thou must be held accountable. Like there's accountability in there, sure. Yes. And there are some individual actors who need to be and when I say actors I don't just mean literal theatrical yeah. actors but like yeah. play players power in this, players yeah, yeah. power players who um yes need to maybe lean need into, to they need to lean into the conversation or lean or, into yeah. the conversation yeah but largely there are also steps that are not going to be that expensive they're not going to be that burdensome to well, we've introduce. talked about it I'm like how are the EPs going to be able to like say oh we're going to be able to make our bottom line still check the boxes right but it's not yeah. that you Mm -hmm. A mental health coordinator is not as expensive as your crisis 
management person who comes in. <laughs> right? No, that's what you said to me when we were talking, like the amount of money that um, sets have to spend for like to keep this person on track and make sure they're away from alcohol and all these different steps and to keep them off substances yeah. and the PR and everything. Or we could just prevent in the first place right. people being you know, put into conditions that stress them to the point where they break. Right. Oh, but I was telling you before this thing was on, but I know. So I just was talking to this mom whose daughter is considering getting into the industry or sorry, let me clarify that the mom is considering what degree the daughter will participate in the mm. industry. And um, I guess there is as of January, 2019, some regulation where Children, if age, if they're 14 to 17, have to go through sexual harassment training and be given resources around eating disorders and nutrition, particularly for models. And my first response to that was, oh, I guess maybe, you know, because of intimacy coordination and sexual like nudity and violence on camera, like intimacy coordination. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. we're, you know, taking some steps towards education and prevention. But you're like, maybe I, I don't have to do the work. Yeah, hell no, that ain't gonna happen. Because <laughs> I then clicked on who's administering the educational mm. resources. It takes you to the Civil Rights Department, at least this is on Ca California's website. And the sexual harassment training is the generic, like it's the like most the blanket. Un it's like, and it's not even he's tailored. Sam. He's at a construction site. Yes. Don't touch Betty's boob. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, that's harassment. Yeah. <laughs> but oh but like, so it, but it's also not very um, wise to be directing them to resources. It's inappropriate for if it is guided if it's a 14 year old. Yeah, and it has nothing to specific much to do with the industry environment like, like so when i so at planned parenthood when i was working there i remember we introduced language for our doctors to ask people like instead of just saying like have you been you know sexually assaulted because if you have and you've been groomed you might not know right so the change was has anybody prevented you from taking your birth control has anyone ever made you undress when you didn't want to? I actually right. really like the phrasing of that question when I go into like an OB or something like yeah. that. Because it's so yeah. much more clear yeah. because... Are you scared? Like, are you... Things that like make it yeah. much more concrete. So I think for young people on set is, do you, are you forced to be alone with adults that you do not know? Ooh, yeah. right. Are you ever made uncomfortable on this set? Is good. Right. And I remember that's why I fired my agent. And I'm probably not going to name which place it was. But I remember like... I had an asthma attack on set that was probably also panic induced. And then my agent was like, okay, when can she go back on set? And I was like, mom, I don't really want to do this anymore. Wait, I'm sorry, mom, you were a child when this happened. Oh yeah, I was a kid. Okay. And yeah. so I was like, mom, I don't want to do this anymore. And she's like, okay. And then I also was like, I also don't like that I don't feel comfortable with him in a room by myself. Mm. And I've never been words. in a room with him by myself, mm -hmm. but my parents like also have a very trauma informed, like social work background mm -hmm. to make sure that like, do, do any of the adults we invite over make you feel unsafe? Yeah. Has like, you know, cause that's kind of like their background. And my mom had gone through some traumas as well. So when she was going through therapy, that helped her. Mm. But we just have to make that language so much more accessible right. because I find that people are so shocked when they hear these stories. Yeah. Like on the boy meets, uh, what is it? Oh yeah, Pod Meets World. Yeah, Pod Meets World. Yeah. The stories I'm hearing from that too, mm -hmm. I'm just like. Oh, I haven't listened. It's like the simultaneous, like, wow, I love this, like, I love these folks and I love the characters that they played, but they were suffering so much. Wow. And so it's like, how do we prevent that? Well, I didn't so, realize that. Yeah. I'm very, very good friends with Will Friedle. Mm. Um, we host, we hosted a, a podcast together where he's my Ron Stoppable to my Kim Possible and right. he always will be. 
But um, I didn't realize. I know he suffered from anxiety, though. He had, like, really mm. bad anxiety attacks. But, I mean, like, even Will Wheaton talks about, like, having oh. gone through experiences. I well, I mean, literally, like, I could I could, I could, could probably have an exclusive roster of, of just child actors. When we talk about certain kinds of advocacy and cancel culture and where the two kind of intersect, it's like, I really just want to support things yeah. while also coexisting with 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 making content. I'm, I'm wrestling with it, but... Ultimately, like, I just want people to know that, like, I'm doing my best. Like, yeah. I truly am trying to, like, be a mom, um, make a living, deal with being in that narcissistic well, purgatory while, like, yeah. having real relationships with you guys, not just parasocial. Well, and yeah. it's tough because if you're giving someone the microphone from the audience standpoint, we assume that you're endorsing what they say sometimes. I would when really never endorse. I want to be very <laughs> much on the record. I was on Fox News with Tucker Carlson. <laughs> Don't agree with a thing, not even his haircut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I think like where I kind of view myself is, and I think I express this to maybe both of you in different ways, is that I feel like I escaped, mm. you know, because like I told my mom I don't want to do it anymore. And I had the language because of like mental health care and stuff. I've been going to therapy since I was like very little. And I feel like I escaped, but I also I have the survivor's guilt. And so that's why I'm so glad to be part of these conversations, because it doesn't have to be this way. Like uh -huh. we can fundamentally change it. And I think yeah. that's the biggest thing with advocacy is recognizing that just because you went through it, and I think that's what differentiates us from older generations. Like I know like my mom will kind of sometimes be like, well, I went through it, so you're gonna go through it too. And I think our generation is kind of like, and younger, I went through it, it stops, and we can stop. It stops with me. It stops me. with me. Yeah. Sure, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's, there's no, it's it's all very, it's scary. But I think, I think one of the complications is if someone has experienced, and I'm just gonna, you know, zoom out, not just entertainment industry oriented, but any group of people who have gone through very difficult things, oftentimes in their own uh, development will then either become perpetuators of the same kind of violence yeah, or they will, uh, or there's just deep scars and, and there's struggles and challenges. And yes, not all of us are media trained experts on how to perfectly answer every question when asked about a certain topic. So I think what's been challenging is we maybe in our uh, area of sphere of influence, area of experience, expertise, we want to bring in other people who've had the experience to talk about it. But if they themselves have a rocky Yeah, like some past, people are in their trauma too. But then, that's the thing with like, then we people don't... are like, they'll discredit the movement. And you're like, no, 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 that's, nah, that's well, we not, not have, what I'm sorry. saying. I was just saying, we don't have to have perfect victims. And I think that's been a huge mm. aspect of advocacy Ooh. when it comes to like wow. survival. Wow. We don't Oof. have to have perfect victims, but I think wow. part of the reason that we feel like we do, particularly in this realm of advocacy, is because you've been forced to be perfect mm. your entire lives. Like. So Perf performing victimhood has to look a certain way, right? But it doesn't. Like, but it doesn't. But I because think it that just because, is. but it just for is. many of folks in the industry mm. who are healing from that trauma is that you've had to perform humanity in certain ways that are palatable. So right. an inherent part of victimhood is showing the parts of you that society has told you to be ashamed of. Mm. And many people have had to do that when it's like being divorced or coming out as queer or trans. So when it comes to coming out as a victim, one, it can feel like you're losing your power, which is very vulnerable mm -hmm. but it can also make you feel like well i have to be perfect in my vulnerability and you don't have to be you don't have to be perfect in your victimhood and it's okay to disappoint people it's okay to disappoint yourself if the goal is healing and i think if you have like a north star like i said where it start it stops with me it stops with me by whatever means necessary but you create a framework where you're like well i'm not going to re-traumatize myself for other people one Two, I'm not going to express things that I haven't healed through first. Mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm. just have like some baseline layers that keep you safe. 
but you have to trust yourself. But if you've been forced to be perfect your whole life, you might not trust yourself. Right. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to replay this episode like continually and just like give it to myself as a pep talk. Yeah. <laughs> this has been a really great chat. I mean, I can't, I can't thank you guys enough for all of this. What, what, what is, what I'm is not the done yet. Yeah, I know you have to keep coming back. Sorry. Uh, we have to talk more about okay. all the blueprints, but what was exciting to me too was reconnecting um, and then chatting a little bit about that, that legislation. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, where do you guys want to go with this? Like, how can people help to, cause you were talking about a social pressure and so much of our feedback with this <laughs> stuff is hey, we have a, 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 we do have a collective consciousness that this is a problem. We just need the um, legislation being set up in the right hands of the right people to endorse it on a mm -hmm. national level. Um, yeah, right. There's like the <clears throat> internal industrial shifts that we can make and, you know, we're taking care of that because that's the ocean we swim in on the inside. And then legislative action, yes, which is higher level. Yeah, but when federal, it comes to really. like, individual you know folks who are watching i actually think being able to have more bi-directional conversations and get people's input around like what do you think it would look like to be um you know mindful consumers of media particularly in this case with children on mm -hmm. on camera and and people come up with incredible ideas and parameters that they maybe will just adopt for themselves or that might actually be like worth discussing at a larger level around you know okay should should we even include children in these kinds of scenes at all? Can we use different tactics for filming them that don't force the child to be on set at that given moment? Or when you're consuming media, do you, you know, scroll and follow? It just there's a, there's a lot to discuss in, at, at the level of a public conversation. And I don't think that that's often, we don't break that wall very frequently. It's like, we're, you're watching us talk about something and then you can comment, but we don't have. Like a heart emoji is not going to save children's lives. <laughs> but I think well, <laughs> internalizing what you're hearing is important because yeah. I think the biggest thing with social change, whether it's from anti-racism to fighting sexism, to reckoning with this massive issue we have as a society when it comes to child exploitation, <laughs> whether it's in Hollywood or any other yeah. industry, is reevaluate how you think about children. And yeah. it's probably really connected to your own trauma and how you think about yourself when you were a child. Like if you were expected to constantly be perfect, perform this way, da da da. when you see other people not doing that, you might be, instead of leading with empathy, you might lead with aggression, you might lead with anger. Yeah. So I think take it home, personalize it, make it part of you. Yeah. And when you hear people come forward about these vulnerable experiences, even if they're not doing it in that perfect way, Recognize that that's okay too. And I think that if, honestly, if everybody did that, we'd be so far ahead as a society. But I think also stay tuned because I know that like, there's gonna be so much legislative action that's quite, that's coming up because it does have to stop with us. Mm -hmm. Wow. Boom. That's, that's, I'm very hopeful. I didn't know how this conversation was gonna go and develop and end, <laughs> but this is ending with hope. And, um, and uh, thank you guys for coming on Vulnerable and like seriously blessing me with your presence and your, your gifts and your mas <laughs> your mastery and your beauty and your <laughs> everything. I love affirm, you guys. Affirm, affirm, I love you too. And I thank I you so much for using like your healing process, both of you to educate and like let mm -hmm. people in because you don't have to, you know? Like Dude, you it's could so awkward. You could unplug <laughs> and disappear. Like I think the kid who played uh Charlie and Willy Wonka, like he like the first one. I think ah. he just like like lived on a farm at the rest of his life. Like, wow. so I think there's, 
you continue to engage with your mm-hmm. trauma in a way that is very, I'm sure, traumatic, but very transformative. And I don't think that mm-hmm. you should take that for granted. Mm-hmm. Takes one to know one. Oh, my God. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> we like knowing ones. We like having community. Mirrors. Just mirrors here. <laughs> yes. Thank you guys very much. And this is not the end. So, you know, stay tuned for what's to come. Period. Thanks so much for watching this episode of The Vulnerable Podcast. To check out clips from the pod, check out the Vulnerable Podcast Clips channel, and the YouTube link is in the description.